0: Praise the Lord. It's so good to see everybody. How's everybody doing? Are you excited about what the Lord's doing in our lives? Amen. Such a supernatural moment that we're living in, and I'm just so glad to be a part of it. Amen. I don't want to be left out on what Jesus is doing. I want to be right in the center of it all. Um, I'm so excited because today we are starting a brand new series, everybody. And uh, 2020, we proclaimed as the year of miracles. Amen. Amen. And so I felt like it was very important that we bring a teaching on miracles. Um, So the next four weeks, well, five, because we're going to skip Eddie James, but I'm going to be talking to you about miracles in the Word of God. Somebody's excited about that. I'm not talking about little baby miracles that maybe we can perform, but I'm talking about supernatural miracles that only God can perform. Amen? We need some big supernatural encounters with God in our life. And so I want the next few messages to encourage you to build your faith up, get your expectancy out there because I believe that as the close of 2020 happens, we are not going to be in the same place. Amen. We're going to take some new spiritual territory in Jesus' name. So if I could just get a little bit more of my mic sound, that would be really awesome. It's just down just a little bit. Okay, awesome. So let's get started. So the miracles that I'm talking about over the next few weeks is not the kind of miracle, let's say you're out shopping and the mall is really busy, especially around Christmas time, and you pull up and boom, there's like this magical parking spot. And you're like, thank you, Jesus, I had a miracle in my life. <laughs> We're not talking about those kind of miracles, right? Just those little things that we give God glory for, and I'll thank the Lord for a closed parking spot all the time. But I'm talking about these supernatural encounters with God. Amen. So what is a miracle? Uh, Let's break that down this morning. A miracle is when God in heaven intervenes here on earth. So we need the supernatural power of God to intervene in the miracle that we're believing God for. It's not something you can do with your own ability. It's not something you have the power to change, but we need an intervention of the Holy Spirit. How many could use an intervention of the Holy Spirit in your situation? Amen? It's when an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God intervenes on your behalf. Amen? That is a miracle. How many are glad to rejoice that we still serve a miracle-working God? Amen? He still sits on the throne. He is still the great I am. He is still the alpha and the omega. His promises are yes and amen. So be it. God isn't wringing his hands. He is still a miracle working God. Amen. So how many of you this morning have a problem or a situation that you truly need God to intervene on your behalf? You don't have to raise your hand, but you need a miracle, maybe in a marriage or finances or in a job situation, or maybe there's someone you know that... God needs to give a miracle on their behalf. Those are the things that we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. And I want God to really stir your faith up to see God do abundantly more than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. Amen. I know this year I'm expecting God to do miracles. I am going at the mat with the Holy Spirit, actually. And I'm calling down the supernatural miracles from heaven. Amen. Not only in my own life, but for this ministry and what God's called Faith Builders, To do and our part to reach the harvest of the kingdom of God. So, as I begin to study the miracles in the Word of God, there are so many, but I took all the ones that I studied and I could really put them into four types of miracles. And so, the next few weeks, we're going to be going over four types of miracles. In two weeks, when we come back together, I'll be talking about the miracles of healing. Amen. Why does God heal? How does God heal? But I also want to address the topic that maybe isn't brought up much in churches. Why doesn't God heal sometimes, right? Because we believe God's in some situations, and we haven't seen the miracles come to pass. And I think that's a good question that we need to answer scripturally. Uh, The week after that, we're going to talk about the miracles of protection, that God wants to protect you. He wants to protect your children. He wants to protect your stuff, amen? So we're going to talk the miracle of protection. The week after that, we're going to talk about the miracles of provision, and God wants you blessed, amen? He wants you blessed to be a blessing. He wants you to be a distributor to the house of God so the house of God's barn can be full so we can do what God's called us to do, amen? I've been reading stories of churches that have been giving away $1 million, $2 million into their community. One city, I forget which city it was, Pastor Jenny, the churches got together and they paid off over $2 million of medical debt in the city. And in other words, they worked with the medical team and said, well, they owe 5000 but if you'll take $1,000, we will pay it off. So the church got all the money and wrote off $2.4 million or something of debt in their city. Can you imagine being a part of that and doing something so supernatural for God? So we're going to talk about the God of perver- per- provision. My one I'm going to talk about today, which I'm actually very excited to talk about, we don't bring it up very much in the word of God, is the miracles of deliverance. The miracles of deliverance, because there is a force of hell, right? And in the word of God, John 10, 10 says, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I'm not a person that is devil conscious. I don't preach devil conscious. But there is an enemy that if you don't know our authority, he will come to steal from your life and wipe you out from the kingdom of God, wipe you out of a local ministry, because his assignment is to derail you out of the will of God. Amen? So we need this miracle. So what kind of miracle deliverance is this? It's when God does the miracle, right? God does the miracle over the forces and the power of darkness. We need God's power to intervene in the miracle over the demonic forces of our life. So again, I'm not a person who is devil conscious, but we have to be aware. And one of the biggest tricks of the enemy is to really cause His people to believe or convince us that he really doesn't exist. And one of the assignments that I've seen in the culture we live in today is it desensitizes us of his real agenda here on earth. And he's desensitizing our children on the real power of the enemy here on earth. I just read an article of a cartoon that came out, and it is a a witch that is leading these little little children. Anybody saw the article? But this witch is leading the children how to do potions, how to do witchcraft. And she takes them to a land where parents are not allowed to go. See what the enemy's doing? He's trying to desensitize his power so that when he comes like a vengeance, they'll go, Oh, it's no big deal. It's not real. It's just pretend. It was just a cartoon. And that's his assignment to take away and desensitize his assignment against the body of Christ, right? To derail us that he can come to kill, steal, and to destroy in our life, So we've got to recognize his tricks, don't we? His greatest lie is that he really isn't a force to be reckoned with. He really doesn't come against the church, and he doesn't come against the, the kingdom of God. Something that I wrote down as I was praying is that Christianity is not a playground. It's a battleground. And when you get born again, you have Jesus, and you're going to go to heaven. But I'm going to tell you, the enemy is going to come against you to do every. he can. And we've got to begin to put up our spiritual boots. Amen. We've got to begin to take resistance against the forces of hell and recognize when the enemy is on assignment in our life. Because he has a realm going on in the supernatural that God wants to overpower. Amen. So let me give you the scripture verse in Ephesians, Ephesians 6 chapter 12. And Paul was talking here and he said this, we, for we do not fight against Flesh and blood. Everybody say flesh and blood. The situation that you're facing is not the flesh and blood situation. You know, I know in marriages and relationships and friendships, there's challenges, aren't there? There are compromises that you have to make. And so there's normal arguments and things that happen. But I'm talking about when there is this resistance from hell, when there's a constant division. When there's constant fighting, when there's constant opposition, you've got to recognize it is not the flesh and blood that you're dealing with. You're dealing with the forces of hell to bring destruction to your marriage or or your job or or in the ministry. The enemy is fighting for you, amen? But you have to realize your battle is not the situation. Your battle is in principalities and powers of the rulers of this earth. So he said, You're blessed. your battle's not against flesh and blood, but it's against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. We're doing battle here on earth against, listen, demonic forces They come to discourage you, come to overwhelm you, to cause you to quit and to give up. That's why Thursday night's prayer was so powerful. We walked in here, and there was just this beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit. I've never been in an intercessory time where I felt such a cloud of God. Usually, I'm powered up. I'm ready to come here and smack the devil in the face, you know, and get all wound up. And there was this overwhelming, precious hush of the Holy Spirit that I, I, I was, of course, leading it. And I just said, God, I don't even know how to lead this. Holy Spirit, lead me as we we get into this prayer time. And it was this beautiful worship and allowing the Holy Spirit to come and and learning to surrender to his presence. And then after about 30 minutes, there was this, like, uprising in the spirit. And there was, like, this warfare sound. And there was this, hey, we're going to rise up and we're going to take authority over the princes of the air, amen. And that's what God wants you to do. Invite the Holy Spirit in, but take your authority and begin to recognize the opposition The resistance that's happening in your life is a demonic influence that has to be taken down by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if it's a reoccurring situation, that is a demonic spirit that has to be dealt with by the power of God. Amen? We need what's in heaven to come down here and intervene with what's going on earth. Because if you don't have the ability to change it in the natural, then guess what? It's a supernatural problem. And I'm going to teach you the balance here in just a minute. So let me uh, share this with you. Uh, what is a demon? Because many of us, I don't want to take for granted that we don't fully understand what is the demonic influence. And according to the Word of God and the study by uh, theologians in Isaiah 14 in the Old Testament, Revelations 12 in the New Testament, it talks about them being fallen angels from heaven. And the demons, uh, name, according to Isaiah 14, is called Lucifer. And in this Isaiah scriptures, uh, Satan, while he's in heaven, he's a musician, he's the angel of worship in heaven, he makes five I will statements uh, according to scripture. And his five statements was this, and I didn't put it up there, but I'll read it to you. He became prideful, became arrogant. He wanted to be greater than God. He said, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne. I will sit enthroned in the mount of the assembly. I will ascend to the top of the clouds. I will make myself of the most high. And so because of his arrogance and his pride, God had to kick him out of heaven and threw him here on earth. Everybody say earth. On earth. Now, if you study the rest of the scriptures in that chapter, it goes on. How many know Jesus has the final say? And so here here Lucifer, he's got his plan, his agenda, his five I wills. But in the rest of that chapter in 22 through 25, Jesus came back with five I wills. He's going to always rewrite what the enemy meant for evil. Amen. Jesus won the victory. He won the battle. He rewrote the curse of the enemy. Even though the enemy has been put here on earth, as a believer, he is under our feet. Amen. And so he said, I'm going to throw Satan out of heaven. And according to Revelations, it says that his tail, I don't know what Satan fully looks like, but it says his tail took out one-third of the angels, and one-third of the angels of heaven were thrown here on earth. So what does that mean? There's one devil, but there's many demons. So the devil is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at every once. Our God is omnipresent. Our God is all-powerful, right? Our God is all-knowing. The devil is one, but he's got many angels, and those angels, as if Uh, God's angels, how they work for God on our behalf. The demonic angels are demonic influences that works for the devil. Does that help understand? So that's the forces of hell that are here on earth trying to deceive as many as possible, but not us, amen, because we're going to learn the power of the enemy and how we have dominion authority over him. So demons do the work of our spiritual enemy in the darkness realm, and what is the enemy's goal? is to take people away from the kingdom of God. The enemy's goal, the devil does not care if you're blessed. He doesn't care if you have a happy marriage. He doesn't care about any of that. He cares that you're not connected to the king of kings and lord of lords. He cares that you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus. That's his goal, is to derail you out of the kingdom. If he can make you feel worthless, If he can destroy your marriage, if he can put confusion or suicidal thoughts or depression in you, then he can win the battle that he's already been defeated for here on earth in your life. But you've got to recognize, right, that God lives on the inside of you. You're going to recognize this attack of the enemy in your life, and I'm going to teach you how to do that this morning. Two mistakes that we make in the kingdom of God. I was fortunate to be raised in a very well-balanced home. We had a lot of the Holy Spirit. I saw a lot of demons being cast out of people. I seen a lot of people being filled with the Holy Spirit. That was very common to us. But we were also very stable in the Word of God. Amen? We don't want to get flaky when it comes to spiritual things. So my first point this morning is we have to be careful as we're combating the spiritual forces of hell is we, sometimes we overemphasize demonic influence. Listen, not everything is the devil. Not everything is the devil. You Well, the devil got in my finances. Taking my money away. No, you went on vacation. You cranked up your credit card. You spent too much money. Had nothing to do with the devil. It means you made a wrong choice, right? You got to rewrite some wrong. You got to maybe budget, whatever you got to do. That has nothing to do with the devil. The devil is not in everything, right? He's not in everything. But we have to discern when he is as a believer. So the devil didn't make you do it. Amen. I, that's why I don't keep Oreo cookies in my closet. I don't have a pantry in my new house. I got a closet, though. <laughs> I'll go in there at midnight, eat those Oreos. The devil made me eat the Oreos. He knew I want. No, the devil didn't make me eat those Oreos. I got a thought. I've got those Oreos in there, and it's going to be so good, right? <laughs> it's choices. A lot of things we make wrong choices, we've got to rewrite. So quit buying in the devil, right? It has nothing to do with that. But the second thing is we, we underemphasize <clears throat> demonic influences in our life. So we have to recognize when there's a great oppression, if there's a constant sickness that just isn't being alleviated, if there's a mental agitation, if there's a constant warring in a relationship, or sometimes there's a great opposition and it feels like, man, I just can't break this thing down. Has everybody, anybody ever been there? That is a spiritual force that has to be dealt with by the power of God in heaven intervening here on earth. I can't do it in my own ability, but I can call on the power of God to intervene and break that situation. That's why the Bible says these kinds of things only come out with prayer and fasting because I've got to break my flesh. I've got to die to myself and get my faith up so now I can let the Holy Spirit come in that situation. Amen? So we, we don't want to be so conscious of him, but we also need to be discerning when he does show up and take that authority. And I'll show you how to do that before we leave today. So what do demons do, right? If you want to understand how the miraculous power of God works in the role of our situation, I'm going to give you three things that I put together. There's many more. What does the devil do to come in our life? Number one, demons tempt us to sin. Now, I am not a sin-conscious preacher. I'm not one that's going to tell you, you should stop doing this and You should stop doing that. But the area of sin in our life that the Holy Spirit is convicting us in, the area of the sin that God wants us to lay down and and lay that habit down and lay that behavior down, the destruction of sin sin will destroy you, it will destroy your family, and it will pull you from the kingdom of God. There's a, a culture in today's church that everything is okay, everything's good. God loves you. Come as you are, and that's true. Come as you are, but God will clean you up. He will make you a new image in Christ Jesus. He wants the behavior of the sin to be dead and buried under the blood of Jesus. It doesn't mean you're going to get it right when you first get saved, but man, I am aiming that I'm not going to bow my knee to sin in my life anymore. I'm going to submit to the Holy Spirit's conviction. I'm going to submit to his voice in my life so that I don't have the tempter coming to me and saying, everything's okay and I can still live like this. Why? Why? because the enemy comes in those areas of our weaknesses when we open up to his behavior. I said this in first service. I can't tell you what's right or wrong. I know what the Holy Spirit convicts me of in my life. If I try to tell you don't do that and don't do this, it becomes law to you. So the only thing I'm asking you to do is submit to the Holy Spirit's conviction. It's time to have ears to hear. what the God is coming back to have his church holy and righteous. He's coming for a bride without spot and wrinkle. This isn't about legalism. This isn't about, oh, you know, the church doesn't love me. I love you enough to tell you God wants you to repent of the sin and get it out of your life, amen, and become who God's called you to be. We have his grace and his mercy that picks us up. I know we've had people in here that came in so addicted and so lost, and their first journey in here, they get saved and they love God, and then they fall back. But you know what? They come back stronger again. And then I've seen them walk a little further and build a bigger foundation. And it's more stable. And then they fall away again. But guess what? They repent. And then they get on. And now we have people that are, are set free They're not addicts anymore. They're not addicted anymore. So it's not about falling down. It's about recognizing the Spirit and say, I'm not going to bow my knee to the tempter any longer. I'm an overcomer. I'm victorious in Christ Jesus. I don't have to bow my knee to any seductions of the world. I'm going to humble myself in the sight of the Lord and be who God's called me to be. Amen? So 2 Timothy 2.26, Paul tells Timothy here in Scripture, he said, that they will come to their senses, right? Get a clue that they will come to their senses and escape the trap. Everybody say trap. What does the enemy want to do? He wants to trap you. And how many of us without raising our hand knows in your cycle of your walk with God, you stumbled at the same place every time, got offended at the same thing every time, felt abandoned or worthless at the same place? Why? Because it's a trap. The enemy knows how to trap Barb Pruitt. He knows exactly what will push my buttons, what will get me in a certain mood or get me in a certain place. But the Bible says, if you will come to your senses and say, that's not gonna trap me anymore. I want 2020 to be the year of victory, the year of overcoming, the year that I'm gonna press through that thing that I get stuck at every time in my life because it is the enemy oppressing my soul and I'm gonna rise up of who I am in Christ Jesus, amen. And I'm gonna take the authority God gave me against the devil. you got to recognize what's that familiarity that the enemy paced in front of your life, right? What's that familiarity that causes you to go right back into that same thing? Let's read this again. That they would come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil, Second 2 Timothy 2.26. We'll keep going with that verse, sweetheart. Can you put it back up? Who has what? Taken them captive to do his will. What does the enemy want to do? I'm going to trap you, and then I'm going to take you captive to do his will. How many of you, if the enemy came into your house and tried to touch your family or touch your things, you're going to come out like a roaring lion? If you're packing, that gun's coming out. Why? Because you can't touch what's important to me, right? You cross a line you can't get back from. You better hope you run quick enough, right? And that's how we need to get against the enemy of our soul, the enemy of destruction that keeps us on this merry-go-round and beat down and not good enough and not worthy, we have to stand up and say, you're not going to do it to me anymore. I'm going to break the shackles of disappointment. I'm going to break the shackles of the captivity of this sin, and I'm going to rise up and be who God's called me to be. Right? The enemy wants to hold you captive. And what does the enemy do? These demonic influences, they come in a way to communicate to you and convince you of the lie. And he tells you this. Go ahead. You're not hurting anybody. Nobody sees anyway. Do it. Right. It feels good. You don't want anybody to tell you what to do. Has anybody ever been like that? I want nobody to tell me what to do. I've got this watch, and it um, tells me when I should exercise and stand. And I was watching a movie the other day, you know, and I was all chill, comfortable, and uh, that sucker popped up and said, "You need to get up and stand and walk." I'm like. tell me what to do. I'm like pushing every button. I got mad at it. I'm like, it's just an app. Like, don't tell me what to do, right? Nobody wants to be told what to do. So don't tell me how to live my life. It's none of your business. I'm not hurting anybody, right? You do all, the devil will make all these lies to make it palatable for you to do what you want to do. And you know what he does? He minimizes the effect of sin no big deal, nobody's looking, I've gotten away with it this long, and he makes it feel all good and cozy, and then we bite the bait. We bite into his seduction, right, to derail us, and then what happens? What he minimized at the start, and we buy into it, now all of a sudden we've given into it, and what happens? Now he maximizes it on the other side. God's never going to love you. Why would God ever want to use you? You'll never be forgiven. You've gone too far. If those are voices, if those are things that are happening in your life that are keeping you stuck in your walk with God, that is a demonic spirit sent to torment you and keep you out of the will of God, to keep you away from advancing, and you need to rise up with such a righteous anger and say, I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm going to receive by faith who God says that I am. I'm going to receive by faith that I am forgiven, and I'm going to press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, amen? I'm not looking back anymore. I'm rejoicing with Jesus and what he has for my future, and I'm going to go into 2020, and I'm not going to trip up and fall again, amen? I'm going to do what God's called me to do. God says there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, and if you don't have Jesus by the end of this service, we're going to lead you to Jesus and you're going to be forgiven of your sins, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit in your life. But if you do have Jesus, it's time to say enough of the trap, enough of being held captive, amen? I'm not going to bow my knee to the weaknesses of my flesh any longer. I'm going to rise up to who God said I can be. There is nothing in your life that you're not able to quit. And it may be a challenge, and it may be hard, and you may need to get counseling, and you may need to join a, a center or whatever, and that's okay. But as you do those things by faith, you let the supernatural come in your life to set you free. Amen? Number one, the enemy will tempt you to sin, and the Church of America, unfortunately, is accepting. And it breaks my heart because God is calling his church. Amen? Not to the law, but to, man, I want this junk to go. I love Jesus so much, right? Our heart should be, I love him so much. It's not that I don't get to it's just I want to let it go, right? Even if it's acceptable, who cares? I want to bow my knee to the Holy Spirit in my life, right? Because he knows what's ahead and I'm going to surrender my flesh to him and I'm allow the fullness of the Spirit because you don't know what restoration's ahead. You don't know what miracle's ahead of your obedience. God never shows us the other side of the coin. He just visits us and expects us to obey him. That's all he's asking. And you never know where God will bring you in a year from now from true repentance in Christ. Number two, demons will distract you from God's will. Distract you from the will of God. In uh, 1 Peter 4, verse 1, it says this. Paul told Timothy again, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, the time we're living, I believe, right now, with the revival and the move of God, and I believe God's going to show out bigger than he's ever shown in his church today he said this some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by by demons there is a time in the kingdom where everything is acceptable i'll be on my social media and, and i know it's innocent but we have to realize the enemy is not innocent he knows what he's doing and i'll see people post dalai lama quotes and buddha quotes and all these self-help quotes, and none of those are the power of God. That is the deception of the enemy. We live in a society, well, that makes me feel good, so I'll do this. Well, if I'm happy, I can do that. No, there is no power but the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no good quote or Dalai Lama experience that can change your life. It is the word of God. The word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Those quotes are not power, they're good or whatever, but it's the word of God that defeats the enemy. It's the word of God that breaks strife and division. It's the word of God that breaks addictions. It's the word of God that breaks suicide thoughts in our life. It's the word and the power of God, and there is no other. Amen? And the church needs to rise up. Say, I'm going to do the word of God. I'm going to know who I am. I'm not going to bow my knee to the end times that everything goes. No, it's the word of God, period. There is no addition, amen? Why? Because the enemy will come in subtly. There, there's this picture floating around, and maybe some of you saw it, and uh, Christians are posting it. And it's a, a card, and it's got a pregnant Mary and a snake, and she's stepping on his, his head. And then there's another woman, I don't know, in front of her. And they're like, isn't God good? You know, she's stepping on the devil's head. And I'm looking at him going, that's a tarot card. It was a tarot card. And Christians are sharing it like, glory to God, the devil's defeated. That's how deceptive the devil is. That's how sly he is, that little bit of picture of truth. But it was a tarot card. You don't want to open up yourself to spiritual witchcraft in your life. And if you do, shut it, shut it, shut it. Because the devil will come in like a flood and confusion and deception not only into you, but into your household. We are only led by the Spirit of God and not spiritual readers. I got this app, you know, that's calming and it lets you relax or whatever. And I deleted it because I'm like, I don't know what subliminal stuff they put in there. I don't want any witchcraft potion and all that crap in my ears. I just need the Holy Spirit. So I got the one that's calm or something. It's got the Word of God. I only want the Word of God. Why? Because the devil is here on an onslaught to destroy the church of God. And he'll do that by lulling us, right? That makes you happy, makes you feel good. No, you need pure faith in God. And in this time, there are, I've seen people in the kingdom so strong and love God and, and strong in their faith, and they get led away into deception by demonic voices. They get led away that anything's acceptable and everything's okay, And we lose the power of the word of God. And then they feel like, I don't really need the Bible. I don't really need to go to church anymore. I don't really need to abide by the word of God anymore. And now the enemy has lulled you to sleep. And he's dulled our ears from hearing the true word of God. And then guess what? The Bible says there's a great deception when you don't know the word of God. Listen, everything that starts popping up and signs and wonders and miracles everywhere, it does not mean it's God. Not in the times we're living in. The devil's going to rise up with a great deception, and we better know our word. Thank God you come to a good church, amen, a word church. That's an amazing covering, our bishop and pastor, Gloria. We are so safe, and we're so covered, and we're a praying church, and we're a word church. But there'll be those that will, well, this makes me feel good and acceptable, so I'll just go right down this road. All I'm asking you to do is submit to the Holy Spirit, amen. That's all I ask. Number three. What does the enemy do? He inflicts suffering in our life, emotional, physical suffering, anxiety. I I don't think I've ever heard more of a mental illness in the local church than I do today. Everywhere I look, there's mental illness, mental illness, and it's true. It's there. But I believe one is because the enemy is bringing so much torment. The church has forgotten who they are. We've We've forgotten how to do the word of God. We've forgotten how to rise up and overcome the tormenting thoughts of the enemy. And the only way we know how to do it is in the natural. And I'm going to tell you, you cannot defeat those things in the natural. You you do counseling and, and do those appointments. And I believe in all of that. But we better be calling on the Holy Spirit also. Calling on what? I need the power of God to intervene in what I need a deliverance from. I can't do it with the hands of the flesh. Amen? So in this story in Matthew 17, it was a young man that was demon-possessed, and they brought him to Jesus. And it said, Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. So what did Jesus say? Jesus said, bring the boy here to me. And then what did Jesus do? Jesus took the power of heaven and intervened on the situation on earth. And he said this. He needed a miracle over what? The darkness. He said, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. There was no talking to that spirit. There was no trying to, hey, let's have a compromise here. No, we needed the power of God to be spoken by Jesus to cause that young man to be delivered of that demonic influence. See, so you've got the power of God, but God's waiting for you to use your mouth against the forces of hell. But what's happened is we don't realize what I'm facing is a demonic influence in my life. We look at this naturally, well, I can figure it out, or we become overwhelmed. Why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus, the Bible says, came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. He came to give his life for the ransom of many. Jesus came for the sick, and he came for the sinners, amen? Jesus came to set the captives free. That is the power of Jesus in our life. And what is the enemy's job? What is these demonic influences? It's very clear. Like I said earlier, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He will influence you through depression, suicidal thoughts, feeling desperation. He wants to ruin your testimony. He wants to ruin your marriages. He wants to crush your children and destroy them before they even have an encounter with the Holy Spirit in their life. This is not a game that we're in. If you have children here today, I only have my goddaughter that I've had for eight years, but there is a force of hell against our babies. And it's not little cute, you know, ears and tail and pitchfork. It is the forces of hell to rip them from their faith in God, a a belief that God isn't real, that the power of God isn't real, is what's coming against our children. And we've had to battle that with Samaya. And you know what, parents? You've got to take a force. You've got to be serious about your children. You gotta be serious about what they're watching on their phones. Be intentional. Be intentional of what they see on their computers. Have conversations with them when they come home for school. What are they seeing? What are they hearing? Make it a safe conversation for them so that they can talk about the troubling of their hearts. And if we don't make room, I've had to have Samaya sit down at a table and make room for her to talk. Make room. And it's shocking what comes out of what's happening at school. Shocking. Because the devil wants to crush this generation. Amen. He has a mission, listen, the forces of darkness hate God, and he has a mission, and what is his mission? Every demonic spirit's mission is this, to hurt what matters to God. And what matters to God the most? His people. What matters to God the most? His bride. So if if the devil can hurt God's people, if he can put oppression and depression and and anxiety and fear and worthlessness and all these filthy lies that we've been set free from, he can hurt the heart of God's chosen people, his redeemed people, his forgiven people. Amen? And he wants to hurt the church and stop from what God is doing. So what do we do? What do we do now that we recognize there's probably some spiritual influences that we need to take authority over in our life? Those of you that are in Christ Jesus, and you've been given your life to Jesus, and you've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, there is hope for you today. Amen? And if you don't know Jesus, you're going to have this hope at the very end of this service. But my point is this. You have miraculous authority over the darkness in the name of Jesus. God has given you full power and authority with the name of Jesus. If you don't know any other scripture, you just say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is the name above every name. And at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord of all. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He's the overcomer. Amen. He's the deliverer. He's the restorer. We have Jesus. And he said, I gave you authority over everything that you're going through in your life. So as we begin to fight this battle, we aren't fighting. Listen, you are not fighting in your own power. We are fighting with Christ's power given to us. Amen? I want to read Matthew 10, verse 1. And nobody come up on the stage yet because I want to get through this. Matthew 10, verse 1 said, Jesus called his disciples to him. And what happened? Gave them what? Authority to drive out impure spirits, and to heal every sickness and disease. God gave you authority over everything you're going through in your life. Not a pastor, not an elder, not a leader, not a Bible scholar. If you have Jesus, you have been given the authority of Jesus Christ to use his power over the power of darkness in your life, in your children, in your finances, or whatever situation you are going through. I've got the power. <laughs> God wants us to use that authority, amen? Let me give you an example. If an 18 wheeler is driving down the highway, out of control, speeding, erratic, and that police officer is sitting there, does that police officer, in his own physical ability, have the power to stop that 18 wheeler? No. But what does the police officer have? Authority. Those lights come on. It's a signal that that officer has authority and what he can't do in his own power, he can do by his authority. And that's the same thing God is asking you to do. You can't change it with your power. You can't stop that situation. You can't rewrite it. You don't know how it's going to happen, but you have the authority in Christ Jesus. You have your badge that knows who you are and whose you are in Christ Jesus, amen? And God wants you to exercise that authority. That 18-wheeler has to stop to the authority, or there's consequences, right? There's, then what happens? If it doesn't stop there, there's a higher power that takes over. See, when you take your authority, even if the enemy wrestles with it, there's a higher power that's taking over in your situation, and that's the power of God, amen? We may not have the power, but we have the authority to decree in Jesus' name over all par- uh, uh, forces of the enemy, God is a reckless God who gives you authority over the darkness. I had a story, but I don't have time to go into it. We're just so running out of time. Thank you, Jesus. Two things not to assume. Don't assume every problem is a result of demonic influences. Amen? We live in an imperfect world and things happen. But also, don't assume any problem isn't. Listen, this is how we do this. What we do with the problem, we do what we do in the natural. Do what you can do and fight, then allow the fight of the Holy Spirit with the supernatural forces to take over in your life. Amen? Every area of your life can be fought by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have a rebellious child, be a wise parent. Take the phone away. Let there be consequences, but call on the forces of the power of the Holy Spirit to protect them, to set them free. Amen? Anxiety, panic attacks, go to the doctor, do what you need to do, but now take the forces of hell and whatever's controlling me is going to be set free from my life. Amen? Do what's natural and ask for God to do the supernatural in your life. Let me give you this quick story. I was, uh, this is how the Holy Spirit can speak to you and how you should be asking him to speak to you. I was a youth pastor quite a few years ago, and uh, I was just up late one night. I don't know what I was doing, and I heard the Lord say, call, I'll, I'll call her Lisa for the sake of you not knowing who she is, but the Lord said, call Lisa. And I'm like, God, oh, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning whatever. I'm, like, I'm going to call. I'll call her tomorrow. She's one of my teenagers. I'll call her tomorrow and check in on her. And the Holy Spirit said, call her right now. Like, well, that's really weird, God. So I'm like, okay, I'll obey you, God. So I called her, picked up the phone and called her. And she answers. She goes, why are you calling me right now? Kind of like defensive. I said, well, I don't know. The Holy Spirit told me to call you, so I'm calling you. She goes, yeah, but why, why right now? I said, no, oh, no, I'm sitting here. God put you in my heart. And he said, call you now. I'm not supposed to wait. I said, why? What's going on? Well, to set the story up, she was about to have an affair with a married man in the church. And she was one of our teenagers. Well, the enemy was on an onslaught to destroy that marriage, on an onslaught to destroy this young teenager who was succumbed to whatever that situation brought it to that position, but the Holy Spirit in it through obedience. I said, girl, you better get in your car right now. I'm meeting you at your house right now, right? I'm going to rescue you out of this situation. Those are the things God will speak to us. It's the, it's the wisdom of God to combat the forces of darkness against what's ever trying to destroy our life. That's the wisdom of Christ, amen, in our life. Thank you, Jesus. Let me close with this scripture verse. We'll finish the one we opened up with. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, amen, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore, put on every piece of the armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. We're going to protect ourselves, amen? Study Ephesians 6, all the armor of God. Do a study on the internet. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm, amen? Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Thank you, Jesus, amen? Thank you, Jesus, amen. So this week, you're going to empower yourself, amen? We're going to go at the mat with the enemy. Take that authority God gave you. You watch him crumble before your feet when you rise up. And let the, let the Holy Spirit restore you in this situation. Amen? Go ahead and stand to your feet. Father God, I thank you this morning for this incredible church, God. I thank you for the miracles, miracles, miracles that are coming by the power of your presence intervening in every one of our situations. God, there'll be no more lack. There'll be no struggle. There'll be no resistance, Father God. But they will find freedom as they begin to declare their authority, Father God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you just speak to our hearts today. there's anyone here this morning who doesn't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never confessed him or maybe you're far away from him and you need to come close to him again, it's a simple prayer of inviting Jesus into your life, a simple prayer of saying yes to the power of the cross and that when you receive Jesus, you will be filled with Holy Spirit and power. Authority. So, I want everyone to repeat this prayer together after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me of all of my sin. I'm asking you to clean me up, to forgive me, to cleanse me, to heal me, to restore me. I receive your Holy Spirit and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you said that prayer this morning, please take a minute to fill out the I chose Jesus card. Bring it up to the front. We want to meet you. We have a, Ed has a free Bible for you, some information about your walk with Jesus. Listen, receiving Jesus gets you to heaven, but you need to learn how to walk with him. You need to learn how to have a relationship with him, and we want to help you with that. Amen. More than just a prayer. So we love you so much. Listen, Wednesday night, midweek service, 7 p.m., Dr. Paul's bringing an incredible word on the study of of uh, Timothy, and uh, and then Thursday night prayer, seven o'clock p.m. Love you all so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless you.